Hey, everyone, you are listening to the Divergent Conversations podcast. We are two neurodivergent mental health professionals in a neurotypical world. I'm Patrick Cassell. And I'm Dr. Neff. And during these episodes, we do talk about sensitive subjects, mental health, and there are some conversations that can certainly feel a bit overwhelming. So we do just want to use that disclosure and disclaimer before jumping in. And thanks for listening. If you're looking to grow your business and get in front of a new audience, Divergent Conversations is accepting new sponsors for the 2024 seasons. We already have over 300,000 downloads and counting all over the world. And this podcast is growing all of the time. The beauty of podcast sponsorship is that you can get live pre-roll or mid-roll opportunities where we will read your ad on air while recording, getting you in front of a new audience every single week. You have the opportunity to sponsor one month of episodes at a time where you'll get four episodes in total, or you can sponsor an entire year and be the exclusive sponsor of Divergent Conversations. This is a podcast that's being distributed all over the world. The analytics are fantastic. The podcast is growing and it is a very captive audience. Reach out to us directly via the link in our website at divergentpod.com or email us at divergentconversationspodcast at gmail.com and we can get started on your sponsorship journey. Well, Tiff, I'm, I slash we are really excited to have you on today. Um, we've, we've actually been talking about it and wanting to have you on for a long time. And I was really happy when you said yes. Um, so first I'll, I'll give a little bit of context for who you are, and then you can fill in what I miss. Um, so Tiff Hammond, you are the voice behind Fidget and Fries, which is a popular social media do you call it an advocacy education account? Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. really like advocacy. Like, so I, I know really, I haven't really like figured it out. I just kind of let people just like you, however, the space makes you feel and whatever I you love- feel like mm-hmm. it is, then you know, that's what it is for you. And if I don't actually like, how you've interpreted it that's okay I don't have to respond to it you know just how you feel the space is what it looks like I haven't quite figured it out for me yeah I actually you sent out a Substack newsletter a while back where you were talking about like what to call yourself and I, I just was nodding my head the whole time I was like yep I have the same struggle like is this advocacy is this education is this a business is this like what is this yeah. that we do yeah, um, you know, and the, the the longer you're at it, the bigger you grow, like the more confusing it gets. Even when you kind of like kind of define a little bit more of, you know, what it is you share and what it is you do, it still gets a little bit difficult to like figure. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna yeah. call yourself, and how yeah. are you gonna be? So that's kind of like where I'm at. <laughs> what are you gonna call yourself, and how are you gonna be? Those, I just, I love those two questions so much. Um, well, one thing, um, I love that we're already diverging. So back to your bio, bringing my brain back. <laughs> um, one thing you do say in your bio that I love is that you're, so you're a mother, an advocate, and a storyteller. Um, and I, I, I feel like storyteller captures what you do so well. It's, I would even call a lot of it poetry. It's your storyteller and a poet and it's, 
I think exactly what you describe. It's like, if, if you find something helpful here, then here you are, but yeah. you're showing up with your story. Um, and then you do a lot in the kind of disability justice and you are an author. Uh, your book, A Day With No Words has been on, I think, multiple top seller list. Um, yeah, so you have done a lot in this space. I think especially within Black autistic space and intersectionality. Um, I I know personally, I've learned so much from you um, over the last couple of years. And so also I just want to extend like a thank you for... Um, uh for all the yeah all the labor and the work you do i know that it's i know it's not easy and it's really important what you what you do thank you i have been doing this for a little bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've been here like yeah it's been a little a little while Mm -hmm. like i've been it's i don't like advocate like I don't like that like to describe myself or activist or like any of those things that just like when you hear it you just feel social justice warrior like I don't like those I like storyteller more hmm. I like to tell stories I feel like they're the best they're the best teachers we have the greatest educator that we have is is, is story telling hmm stories like the biggest way that we know about our history from whatever culture it is it it's because the stories have been passed down generation to generation to generation um whether they're writing them or telling them the oral histories it's i just feel like there are greatest teachers and i never i don't want to be uh like everyone else that's in these advocacy spaces Mm because they're all kind of the same and and I feel like I I put a lot of that on um social media like culture and stuff where everything has to be uh quick and cute and pretty and uh like easily digestible and things like that so like it it just like kind of like birthed like a whole lot of um advocates that kind of like put out the same stuff over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again and I was like Ugh. I mean it's pretty but I don't relate to it so it's like what is it that I can that I can do um to not only like fight for myself but for my children and for others like us and have people actually read it or like sit in the space and like take it in and soak it in because I'm not giving you graphics. I'm not giving you infographics. I'm not going to give you like cute words and pretty pictures and drawings and things like that. I'm not doing that. It's not me. So what can I do to like get people to read it, get it, and then stay? Like I need you to stay in it. You know, I didn't want to have you know, one post and it goes viral and then they come in and then they read that. Oh my gosh, she's writing books over here. And then they want to leave. Like, I want to pull you in, draw you in and have you, you stay. So I feel like the best way for me to do that is to tell stories. I love stories. 
tell stories. Yeah. I, grew, I grew up in a family of storytellers. I kind of like what we do. And so I was like, I'm going to tap into that. Yeah. That's what well, you You did. You have so well. There, there's an, um, like an embodiedness, an earthiness to stories. And I, I do. I think there's a like embodied wisdom whenever I encounter your work that it feels really different. And I, I think because it is really different. Um, in the way that you show up. And I, I totally, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, I get that. I get how advocate there's like a sterileness to it that misses that, that yeah. and that wisdom. Too academic for me. Like it's too, like, this is autism. And here's the stats and here's the trait. And this is what a meltdown is. This is what a tantrum is. This is what this is. And it, like, oh. No, like I feel like by the time you reach me, because for some reason I feel like there's like this long list of people that uh, new families come to or, or newly diagnosed people come to. And I feel like by the time you get to me, and for some reason I'm always putting myself at the bottom of this list or something, but by the time you get to me, you should already know what autism is. And that's kind of like how I treat it. Like, you know what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. I passed that, you know, I'm like almost 40. I have 38, I have teenagers. I'm like, I'm not about to sit here. I'm not explaining this to you. I'm not explaining what a tantrum is, what a meltdown is. So there's a lot of other accounts that's going to do that for you. They're going to gonna do that. They're going to share that to you. You're going to go to the next account. They're going to say the same thing. It's going to be a different color. It's a different font. A different picture. <laughs> you know, some might get Venn diagrams. Those are big now. They're going to be out there. You're going to find that. And that's going to be for you. And you're gonna, it's gonna help you. And then not not knocking those, because I still follow a few of those people that that do that. That you know, churn them out, turn them out. I don't relate to them, but I like the pictures are pretty. And you know, it it gives me, and they're nice people. And it gives me, you know, someone to like refer other people out to. Like, hey, you know, they can, you know. So I do, I do follow those accounts. I just don't share like. And I'm not going to teach you what autism is. I'm not going to teach you how to be autistic either. I'm not going to teach you any of that stuff. I'm going to. Biggest goal for me is that I'm trying to make myself more human to people. I'm trying to make my family more human to people. And the biggest um, reason for why they treat us the way that they treat us and they don't treat us well is because they can't be themselves enough. And, and we aren't actually fully real to them like they don't understand the thoughts that we have the feelings that we have um i have lived in areas of texas where i am the first real life in my family first real life black person they've met they see you on tv they might hear you on the radio yeah it's really like we're still living in that kind of world. I'm living in a world where none, nobody's come across, uh, not nobody, but we've lived in areas where they haven't met anyone like my son. Hmm. My son went to every school district. Every school district he was in, he was the only one of him. Two school districts, they had to create programs based on who he was and add kids to it. So he wasn't the only one in it. So it's just, I'm 
that's the biggest goal for me is I'm trying to make myself more human. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to share stories, trying to get you to see just a piece of yourself in that story. And then I feel like I got you hooked. You're there. You're me. You're mine. You're mine now. And I want you to feel the things that we feel. And I want you to relate to those things. And I want you to feel like, wow, I might not go through the exact same things that she's going through or that her family's going through, but I have a similar story. I have a similar situation. I have a similar um, thing that has happened to me. And like, wow. So I want to challenge your thinking and um, have people connect the experiences that we have with experiences that they might have. I'm like, now I have you. Now I got you. And now I got like a whole community or an army of people who love my kids just as much as I do. And so it's just, it's, it's incredible. And I'm just trying to lean into the story. Occasionally mm -hmm. the academic stuff, cause it's necessary. And occasionally I'll drop essays and um, participate with uh, different research journals and, and things like that, because I feel like that's still very necessary. But like I'm not gonna like completely like abandon, you know, that heck yeah, I'm all in that because I'm trying to talk to legislators. I'm trying to be in police departments, which I, I am now. They're not always they hear your stories, but they always want the other things too. They want the stats, we need the numbers, we need the this, you know, like so you always gotta you still gotta have still gotta be part of your part of your thing. Um it's not my favorite part. My favorite part, I want to I want to share the breadth of our experience. I want to put it in your face and you see it. Anything that makes you uncomfortable, uh, makes you squirm in your seat, it kind of like makes you, those things that make people want to turn their eyes, kind of like reverting to turn away. They want to look at it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put it in your face. I'm trying to push people to the edge of their, their comfort zone. Like I used to, when I first started, I was like trying to push y'all over the edge. You know, uh -huh. that's when I started. I was like, well, push you to the like, oh. Then I, I kind of grew up a little bit. And I was like, nah, I want to push you to the edge of your comfort. And I'll give you what you need for you to take the step over it. I'm not going to push you over. You're going to do yourself. Get you all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Get you to the edge. And you can decide from there if you're going to jump off. You're going to cross over. What you're going to do, you're going to help. Like, so that's what, that's what I'm trying to do. Push them to the edge of their comfort. See, see, get you wiggling. Mm -hmm. Get you there. Yeah. You do that really well. I, I hadn't thought about that before. So back when I was in education teaching, like that was something I was really interested in this idea of as a teacher and an educator, which I think could parallel with a lot of these spaces. What do you do or not do that invokes students' psychological defenses? Because once those defenses come on, it's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually going to get more rigid in my original belief versus open to rethinking it. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you do do that incredibly well. And again, I think partly by sticking with story of like, here's my experience. Yeah. Like one that I'm thinking of that that I I quote you on sometimes when I'm talking about. So I, yes. So ABA, the conversation that comes up a lot in white autistic spaces. Um, and when I'm trying to, um, or so like, there's kind of those, what do I say? Like stump speeches of advocacy, like 
pain points. So like ABA, puzzle pieces, identity first language, right? If we were to clump, clump those together. Um, so there's something you shared. I, now I can't remember if it was Instagram or your Substack, but it was about how you intentionally put your son in a shirt with a puzzle piece on it because law enforcement yeah. were more likely to understand what that meant. And it was a safety issue. And then you had people, I think specifically white advocates, like criticizing a picture of yeah. him in a puzzle piece. You sharing that yeah. story, like that, yeah, that pushes people to the edge to go like, huh, there's more to the story than just puzzle pieces are a sign of ableism and puzzle pieces are bad. Let's think about this yeah. more deeply. Yeah. And that's what's wild. It's like, that feels like that's like the autistic advocates like starter pack <laughs> start there because you have like all you need is like you know uh beliefs against symbols colors groups uh therapy uh you know and and a strong wi-fi and now you have like that's your starter pack right and and you know and, and if you've been at it as long as i have like it's so weird because I feel like I'm just aging myself, but and you see that as they come in, see it in waves, right? Because I've been doing this for a little bit, you see it in waves, like it dies down a little bit, and then you're like, oh, it's waves of, of autistic advocates are coming in, you know, or it's the 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 autism mom, you know, ally uh starter pack too. Once they like they feel like they've seen the light, you know come to glory and that they hear right so they comes in ways you start to see the same thing like over and over like no to this this is how you say who you are you know identity first supposed to be safe. so you see it kind of like all the time waves comes and goes and you just see it in the same stuff and you're seeing it in the same way majority prefers this majority prefers, who's the majority i wonder who the majority is who's the majority nobody asks me Nobody asks my friends. There's no polls that's done. I'm not getting no letters in the mail. So what are you, and like, when you look at it, there's a whole lot of families that are like mine with a non-speaking teenager or adult. Um, they're not even online. Not at all. I found those families. You know, they don't come online just like they don't go outside. So if they're not, and then you have all these people, like people don't really understand, like the internet is a privilege. <laughs> like to have this online community that we have, that is a privilege to have. There are so many people in this country who have poor access to the internet or no access to the internet. They're not even add in the world. And there's like whole countries who's, who feels like they're cut off from the world, period. So I'm like, who are we asking when we're thinking and we're talking about majority prefers, the community prefers this and this? Like, I mean, it's wild to me. Like, so I, I'm not gonna do that. I'm sorry. I was just like, I'm not gonna argue with the puzzle piece. But y'all, y'all framing it in the same way. They're like, nah, I'm gonna come at you in a different way for it because it means something different to me. You know, and I don't care about symbols. I really don't. I say that so many times. I don't care about symbols. I don't care about colors. I don't care about none of that. Like, I care about blue. I look good in blue. 
no like so i'm just not i'm really not that's not with me i'm not puzzles but i'm like i live in a state where you have whole police departments fire departments and they have squad cars with puzzle pieces on it for 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 you know april you know and and i'm going on probably the third month after my son almost had uh, a firearm drawn on him because his iPad looked like a weapon. Like, um, and I just got in it. It was like situation to situation, adding up, adding up, adding up. And you get tired. You just put him in the puzzle piece circle. And I'm just tired. It's like, maybe it's one less thing I have to explain. And when you sit in spaces that we've designated safe for us, sort of like um, Black autism parent spaces, things like that, it, you hear that story like over and over and over again. It isn't always because they like the puzzle piece. They aren't really even really thinking about what it means, really. Like, it's just, it's one less thing they have to explain. And this was similar to when I was explaining like the blue pumpkins and stuff, me trying to like relate to where the parents are coming. That's one less thing you have to explain to somebody or you're hoping you have to explain to somebody and you're hoping that they get it. Like they just see that and they just know. And we know it's not always true. We know it's not magic and they're just gonna know, but we just kind of hope they do. We kind of hope they get it. You know, they'd be like, oh, it's a puzzle piece. Oh, this must be, you know, and you hope it's just, one little like layer of protection and you sit in those groups and you hear their stories and they're walking around putting their kids in these shirts and hoping that it's like a bulletproof vest it's just a t-shirt just made of cotton you know but you're just hoping that you're grabbing on anything that you can and to see and what prompted me to rewrite to write that um again and share it there was that there's an organization that gives ipads to to those who need them and there was a little boy and he got an ipad there's a little black boy so cute he had his ipad and they were like sharing about the ipad that they just gave it to him and he had on a puzzle piece shirt and instead of focusing on the fact that this little boy has finally got access to communication or a way to, to, to share his thoughts, the comment section was just erupt. Why is he in a puzzle piece? What is this? This is small Chanel. This is that. Some even evolved into like CPS claims and things like that. And I'm like, for a shirt, like he looks real clean. He looks real fed, well fed. He's taken care of. He's smiling. He's loving life right now. And he has this iPad that's going to help open his world even further. And we we focused on the, the puzzle piece. And so that's what kind of made me think back to, you know, situations that we were in. My kids were a little bit younger. And, you know, that made me want to, like, share that. So just what I just like, try to do is I, I stay in groups and I just read and I listen and I absorb things and then I just try to find a story in my life that I can try and uh, pull from 
and see if it's the way that I can share. So I'm never going to share somebody else's story. So I try to like find something that's within our lives and our things that I can pull from. And I just share pieces of pieces of us because I never want to speak for anybody else because I don't really like it when people speak for us. And so that's kind of like, kind of like my thing. Like, and so stories, more stories, more stories make people think. That's what I'm trying to do. Let's do that. It's a protective thing, right? Like that's what I'm hearing too is there's a lot of privilege in picking apart the puzzle piece photo or, or story when you don't have to think about the implications of not wearing that shirt in a situation where your skin could get you. Yeah. It's about thinking about all of that. Like if you're just sitting there, you're thinking, Oh, this symbol is just horrible. And it means, you know, that, we have missing pieces and all of a sudden, okay, that's one side of it. I can get that. I can respect that. I can even be like, um, I agree with that. I don't even know if I do agree with that or not, but it's just hey, I get it. I see your side. And I see that's how you feel about that. There's like so many other stories and, and um, thoughts and things that surround that. So whether... I could have put him in a in a, an affinity symbol if I felt that it had the same like impact that it would like, the puzzle piece would have had. If if the cop cars was riding around with infinity symbols, I would have put that on. Like, you know, I would have did that, you know, but they are they connecting this symbol with autism. So we we do a lot of things where we pull from that we feel that can help us. And there are a lot of us that don't know the the thoughts or the um the controversies behind the symbols either. So I try to like have a lot of grace for people. A lot of them are new and then they come on and then I think that because a lot of us it almost feels like we live online that we don't understand that the world is bigger than being online. So like, yeah, everybody doesn't know puzzle piece is bad because it's still pretty big outside of the internet. Like it's pretty doggone huge. <laughs> you know, and you come on here and have a lot of people that's just like, you should know <laughs> you're supposed to know. Like, like they're going to know. The fire truck down the street got the puzzle pieces on it. Big everywhere. Like, you know, they're not like it's big. There's still light in the White House up blue. Every April 2nd, they lighten it up. Woo! It, around the world, you know, in London and France stuff. Like, like, <laughs> like, so no, they don't know. So you try to you try to be open to to where everyone is at on their journey. Everybody's not in the same place. And I think that that's what also makes being an advocate, um, even though I don't like to be called an advocate, uh, <laughs> challenging and, and difficult. And I think that for a lot of um, advocates, I think being online, I think they lean into content creation more than they lean into advocacy. 
So it feels like you're just seeing, um, you're just creating to create. Like you're just creating to have, you know, uh, engagement. Because you're not creating in a way that will lead towards like meaningful, uh, tangible change. Not only for yourself, but for others. And I think that a lot of people don't actually know what advocacy is. You know, they might know what it is for themselves. But when you enter into a space where you're feeling like you're trying to do it for other people, then that means you're doing it for other people. Like, so you're like, you're holding on to the stories that they tell and you're fighting for the things that they're telling you that they need. So if I'm telling you that I need more safety, more protection, more resources and and accommodations and things that will help us to live in a world where I don't have to wear a puzzle piece shirt. That doesn't mean try and ban puzzle piece shirts because you don't like them. No, mm-hmm. it means I need you to listen to what I'm saying and I need you to help me acquire what it is that I need. And that's what happens mm-hmm. on behalf of other people. And I think that's where a lot of creators uh, mess up and they don't look at and they don't see. And like, mm-hmm. you're not fighting for what it is you need, what you want. That's self. That's mm-hmm. self. But don't present yourself as an advocate for all of us if you are not listening to the things that these people need. There's a lot of things that I've fought for for people that I don't actually need. And I was actually like, oh, this is going to actually help you. But this is what you're saying you need. And this is what you're saying you require. And this is what you're saying is going to help you. So I'm going to use whatever I can, whatever privileges that I am, a writer. So I'm going to help you create something that is going to help you get with you. So it's about leveraging the privileges and the skills that you have to help other people acquire what it is they're telling you they need. And that's advocacy. And we're living in a social media culture where that's not really happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really see that. And I think that's why part of the reason why I don't like to be lumped in, like, with that. That makes so much sense. Because, yeah, that's that's not what you're doing. You're doing something really different. I First of all, I just love that idea of, like, flipping the script instead of making another post about, like, why not puzzle piece? Like, how to create a world where the puzzle piece isn't, isn't needed, right? Like, I love that yeah. way of flipping it. Um, another thought I had as you were talking is there's this really unfortunate kind of parallel experience happening. So I guess another part of the starter pack autistic advocacy, and I say this all the time as a, as a psychologist talking about like why we aren't identifying, um, all autistic people is how like early autism research really focused on, um, white cis affluent boys. And so there's this this kind of conversation of like we've we've focused on a really small group and now we're opening up the conversation focusing on a diverse experience but even Mm -hmm. that right this idea that we're now spotlighting a more a more diverse experience of autism we're still we're we're perpetuating we're doing the same thing essentially like with what you were saying about there's so many people aren't who aren't online who aren't part of this conversation so the temptation would be to fall into that same pitfall of we're saying this is the autistic experience. And by this, it typically means um, someone who is speaking 
someone who has access to internet. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see how we're replaying the thing that we criticize when we're not being thoughtful about how we engage yeah space we're always gonna fall into that trap if we don't um if we do not have the most historically excluded people at the head of what we're doing then we're always because right now it looks like we're equating liberation with that of white cis men like that's what we feel like liberation is if we if we're able to have the privileges that they have. Like white, cis, straight, non-disabled men. We have the privileges and the things that they have. That's freedom for us. And that's how they're looking at it. But we're not they're not actually seeing that the reason that they are in the positions that they are and they have the privileges that they have is because they're drawing their power from other people. And so when you're trying to get there to where they're at, that means you're going to have to push some bodies over and walk over us to get there. All right. So we're not getting anywhere. And if we're equating liberation with equal footing with white men, white straight men, white non-disabled men, we are always going to lose <laughs> like in that. And I think that's what's happening when we're looking at the advocacy that we see online and that's like what we're not like relating to like when i'm sitting with like my friend i'm relating to this like i'm not seeing how this um even helps us and even when and i was so weird because i was talking about this last week with with um with sandra i don't know if you know sandra neuro uh yeah neuro diversity narratives my yeah, friend. we had her on a couple weeks ago. That's my friend. Like we sit there and we kind of we look at the content that comes out from a lot of of um, white autistic advocates, and we just sit there and we kind of scratch our heads because a lot of things that they describe as their experiences and as their traits of autism and as their and I'm just sitting back and I'm like, Sandra, you know what they describe? It literally makes me feel like everybody in the world is a little bit autistic. It's what it feels like. It's like, I don't know if they don't know how to articulate their experience or if it's because we live in this this climate where everything needs to be watered down, shortened, cute, tweeted, uh, bunny graphic thing, and you aren't allowing yourself to explain the experience any more mm-hmm. deep than that but when you just look at it i'm just like you know a lot of neurotypicals do this too like they're yes. kind of experiencing yes. this as well like how does this exclusive to autism you know, yeah. the uh, yeah. autism like you know i'm not really i'm not relating to it quite well i'm kind of lost <laughs> you know you're just like and you're seeing mm-hmm. that, and it's not like a, it's not a dig on them. I think it's just like it's how we're existing in this 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 social media world, mm-hmm. and how absolutely yeah we're not expanding on our experiences. Mm-hmm. We're not growing. We're not evolving, and I think that that hurts us a lot. 
I think, yeah, absolutely. I think it could, I think it can create kind of a scarecrow like version of autism, like a, or, um, and also I think part of it is, and I've felt my own tension around this being anchored in the neurodiversity paradigm of it can feel, you can be shamed when you talk about the hard parts of being autistic. And Mm -hmm. so then it's like, we get kind of, I think, a thin down version of what autism is, but also focusing on the positives and the strengths, which A, is a really good corrective, but um, is not the whole story. And so then you get this picture of autism where it's like, yeah, everyone's autistic. And I, it's so interesting. I was just having a conversation with another clinician on this. So I'm obviously a huge proponent of self-identification, self-diagnosis because of all the barriers. I'm starting, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous though. Like I almost feel like we're seeing a pendulum swing of, um, I am wondering with this more simplified version of autism that's out there, if, if maybe there's going to, we're going to see an influx of people self-identifying where it's like, no, actually that's, that's social anxiety or that's like, that's something else that explains that experience. But I see why you relate to it based on how it's been described. Um, so, and it, that's a weird space for me to be in. Cause I've always been yeah. such a fierce advocate of self diagnosis. Um, but I am starting to kind of like scratch my head here of like, okay, I see where this is going and I'm curious what, yeah, what's going to happen there. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, things to think about. I think that's also one of the things that I'm not going to say it's going to be solved, um, but I also think that that is one of the reasons why we need more voices from those who are multiply marginalized that have to be at the top and they have to be um, uh, their voices need to be given a lot of weight and they need to be be heard. Um I think that, like what you were saying earlier, with I believe that is why there are so many groups and parent advocates that um, a lot of autistic adults would labor as martyr parents. I feel like it's part of the reason why they're kind of popular is because those families don't feel represented in the in the in the whole of autistic advocacy like they're not seeing their family and 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 what's wild is i feel like those families want to see their their Mm -hmm. their their family members i think that they're in those spaces where those parents that kind of like market trauma and pain and tragedy and things i feel like they wouldn't share as those parents do, and they might not always relate to the, some of the things that they do share, but they're finding those pieces of their experiences within those 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 spaces, and so they stay, but I feel like they really want to be somewhere else. And there's we got a bridge. Go, yeah, there's nothing. You're either trying to like sift mm-hmm. through some of the bad stuff you see from some of the parents and some of the organizations and things like that, but then when you come like over here <laughs> to the other side, it's like, I don't see my family. I don't see my experiences. I don't see um, the things that we are uh, going 
through. I don't actually see it. I don't actually like relate to it. I don't like feel it. And that's kind of like what I was like sometimes too. So I'm like, like, no, down ABA, go do this as an alternative. I'm sitting here like, my insurance doesn't cover that. Or they only cover two, uh, my insurance covers 12 speech therapy sessions a year. After that, I'm paying for that. That's OT too. Uh, well, I live in a resource desert. There's nothing over here. Um, where it's good, like, so there's a lot of things that they're not even talking about or addressing, but other parents would get that. They're navigating that. They're going through those systems. They're seeing those things. I would never force my child to brush their teeth. Sometimes I have to. Can not have dental surgery every time he gets a cavity? Like, I have to put him under anesthesia. They got to hold him down to do that. Like, so it's like, you want to have those, those, those talks with those people and those families that get it. But you want to have to have it in a way where they, you know, respect their child and respect, you know, their story and, and things like that. And there's not a, a lot of that. Like you said, there's a bridge. And you're kind of like, it's here or here. Hmm. <laughs> like, either over here, either over here. And I think that's what makes those, those, those parent advocates who do share way too much about their children. I want to say it's not 90. I think 90% of the parents do share about their family. It's awesome, beautiful people. You know, it's those others, little, little small percentage. They, they like, you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, but they're popular because they, they speak to um, these experiences that families like mine have. Hmm. Like, there's those parents that I just described that share in a way that I would never ever, ever, ever share. They have pieces in their stories that I connect with, that I see, that I feel, that I know, that I cry about, that I, you know, and that's how I'm like, that's why they, they have followers. That's why they have people they have. And I wanted to create a space where I'm like, I want their followers. Like I want to be in their spaces and I want to, I want them. I want to come over here, come hang out with me. And let's, let's try and make a beautiful world for our family. And like, you know, and share in a way that that's gonna, you know, help reduce the, the, the trauma that we have and not like add to it. Um, so even though I understand where they're coming from and the pain that they feel and the isolation that they're going through, because a lot of them are alone. They are alone and they're isolated and they don't have no respite and they don't have resources and they don't, they don't have a lot of things. And then they come online and everybody's like, oh, you know, just love your child to happier days. It'll come. And, and you start, you know, you're just like, this is an LP, you know, and you have those, yeah. those, those parents that you want to help them. And so it can perpetuate the shame. It yeah. perpetuates the shame if it's like, oh, just like do these things. But if, if you're not seeing yourself in that and then you're, you know, yeah, do these, yeah. these five things. It's like, well, that's, it's actually not going to help with, um, like when, when, when meltdowns become aggressive, right? That's something that comes up a lot in yeah, in some of the yeah. spaces I'm in of like, that's not talked about um, with 
yeah like so that that's the kind of thing about a lot and it it should be and then you're trying to figure out what's the correct balance sharing yourself like you're alone and you hold a lot of things in because you don't know what you could share and what you should share and this isn't just reserved for the parents of, of autistic children there's autistic adults who feel afraid to share about the things that they're going through but they don't want to be labeled as internally ableist which they often are <laughs> you know and they don't want to you know they don't want to be made to feel bad for feeling bad about uh how they're experiencing autism at this time last week i couldn't stand autism for myself i hated it i didn't want to be it i didn't want to see it i didn't want to know it i didn't want to like like and, and i hated it because it was like causing me pain it was like causing me to like rip out pieces of my hair it was like i wasn't uh functioning in the way that i i felt that i should be and i hated it didn't want to be it i love that you can say that that. yeah yeah i actually saw a post uh, i saw a post where someone was saying i sometimes i hate my autism and i just dipped into the comments briefly but it was really interesting the response was like it sounds like you're depressed or it sounds like you're in burnout so it was like we need to pathologize you not liking your autism at moments and i was like this is interesting i feel that way sometimes It was that that did feel dismissive to what they were feeling. Like, I feel like there was a better way for them to, like, approach that that person in that in that conversation instead of, you know, trying to, you know, tell them it was something like else. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I don't like to say that I, I don't like my autism i don't like to say that sometimes i feel like sometimes it's kind of harsh you know it was the feeling that i felt in a moment and i just need to i need to walk myself through it i need to go myself but if someone like came and said oh i just feel like you're depressed now i just feel like this is what i feel right right now <laughs> like mm-hmm. like and i know it's the wrong thing for me to feel right now like i can't change it i can't cut it out i can't carve it out it's not going anywhere but i need to i need to feel my way through it I need to go right through it. I need you to help me feel my way through it, not block me from feeling my way through it. Like, talk me through it. Help me through it. Help me navigate these 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 challenges and these feelings and these obstacles and these things that I'm having right now. Don't tell me it's something else. Because I know it's not something else. I know that I'm pulling my hair out because I am having a sensory issue right now. And I know that's caused by this trigger and I know it's triggering because it's autism, right? And so like, I'm already drawing my map to where it's going, it's landing right here. And I know that it's something that it lives within me. And I know it's something that I I can uh, get through. It's a challenge that I can get through. Um, But right now in the moment that I'm feeling it, that's all I feel, feeling weighed down by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I wanna. I can get through it. Just help me through it. I know I don't hate myself. It's just I hate the the struggle that I'm in right now. But when you're in it, you feel it like you hate it right now, and you're just like you're just not seeing all that stuff. You see that stuff when you're outside of it, like when you're out of it. Like sometimes, like I hate it when I was growing up, and I was growing up with, um. Like I wasn't just black, I was just like I was dark skinned and then like you go through it like you're 
no, you, we can't see you on the pictures or like, you know, like, you know, you make fun of your skin or your, you, and you're like, I hate being black. I don't like this. I, you know, they make fun of me because of this and this, but why do they make fun of me because of this? Why am I not cute because of this? It's because I'm black. I mean, not just regular black. I'm like dark skinned black. Like black, you can't see on pictures when they take the pictures black. And then they make fun of me for that. And now I'm midnight black. And now I'm this. And they, so you're, I hate black. And I know it's not right. And I'm just feeling my way through this. I gotta walk my, don't tell me I'm just feeling depressed about myself. No, I'm feeling this way because of what I'm experiencing, because of what has gone on, because mm -hmm. of what, you know, and after I come out of it, then I can look at it with with better eyes, uh, softer thoughts and kinder things, and then figure out, you know, a better way to cope with it. So I have less of those experiences, less of those things. I can't change being Black. I can't change the tone of my Blackness. And I can't change them all. But like, those things I can't change. You know, yeah, learn, I'm growing and I'm learning. And there's a lot of days I love the heck out of myself to 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 to, to the point of annoyance of people that are around me. And there are other days I don't, I don't feel as loving towards myself. Am I going through a bout of depression or anything? I don't think so. I just feel like this is what happened, and this is what I'm feeling right now. And I think that a lot of times we don't allow each other the space to feel the things that we're feeling. And we need that. And when you're telling people don't feel this way or you feel this way, they're telling you what you're feeling, you know, that's hurting them even more because they're not allowing themselves to work through those feelings. Because they're being, oh, well, maybe I am feeling this way. Oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person because I hate myself right now or I hate I hate my officer now. And I don't know if they hate their system right now. I can't tell if they really are or not, but this is what they're feeling right now. Let's talk them. Let's talk them to let's let's see where they're at. And so but I think that a lot of times we don't give people that um we don't allow them the space to do that. Because we take everything um we take everything personally and not seriously. Like you listen listen to them. Like how they're feeling about themselves is not a reflection of how you're going to feel about you. So because you feel this way about, you know, like you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't say this. You, that's you. But this is them. So just take what they're saying seriously and not personally. Like it's not about you. Like take that off. It's not about you. Let's Let's help. This person do don't diagnose them in the middle of the comic session. Like, that's weird to me. Like stop doing that. <laughs> like, like just you know, let's talk it out. But I don't think we give enough people the space to feel what they need to feel. Yeah, and we have to do that. We have to respect people enough to allow them to feel uh, what they're feeling. A lot of times, it's not that they seriously, you know, hate themselves and they're wanting to go do something. So they just need to feel it. Let them feel it, and you talk to them. And you help them to get it out. And you help them to see, get to the bottom of what it is that they're they're feeling. You help them through that. But just to come in there and be like, oh, you're depressed or you're burned out or you're this and you're that. 
I'm telling you, in my experience, the, no amount of burnt out made me feel like I hated autism. I was too tired to feel that. Like, I was too tired to want to, like, connect that I was hating something. No, I was feeling those feelings when I was very much alert and in it and, and, and on, you know, so it's just let the people feel what they need to feel. And you don't have to like it. It's not for you. <laughs> you know, and I think that's what hurts a lot of people too. They have to hold a lot in. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be looked at as, as, you know, hurting other people for the feelings that they have about themselves. And I'm like, man, we can't even feel what we feel about us because that's hurting somebody else. I'm like, what? Like, that's so funny. you're trying to do like the math there. Like, <laughs> I think that should be our quote for the episode. Let the people feel what they need to feel. I love that. Yeah. 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 We have to mess it right there. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's, we should. That's a good, you dropped some good, yeah, you've dropped some good quotes. I've like been scribbling. Um, you've dropped some poetry here. But that that being one of them, let the people feel what they need to feel. Hmm. It's loud because I'm like I'm writing a book right now, right? Like so, I'm writing a proposal for a nonfiction or a nonfiction adult book because like a few publishers is like, when you gonna write an adult book like about you and stuff? So like I'm writing it. So as I'm writing it, or it's making it hard for me to share new posts. So like when I'm writing new posts, I'm like, dang, that needs to go on the book, <laughs> you know? So like. So like I can't share nothing because I, I'm like that would be so good in here in this. So like that's why I'm like sitting there thinking like while I'm talking I'm like thinking in my head I'm like that might be good in the book. <laughs> like that's all like thinking like and now I can't like it's hard for me to produce things new because it's just like I feel like I'm like hoarding it like trying to save it for like the book that I don't know how it's gonna look at the end of it or anything like that but it's just like saving things it's different it's it's interesting to feel like you have a lot of things to say that would actually be enough to fill a book and hope that people will want to read it oh i think people (laughs) would absolutely i i know i would and i i don't have much time for reading right now and so i don't read a whole lot but like i i would read it um Absolutely. Well, um, thank you. So like, just thank you so much. I have loved yeah. this conversation and loved having you on and finally getting to meet you. Um, where can people find you? I know we've talked to, about a couple of the places already, but where can people find you if they're wanting to? Um, I am on Facebook, um, at fidgets and fries spaces. Um, I'm on Instagram fidget and fries with like fidget period or dot and dot fries. Um, I'm on TikTok. It's fidgets and, yeah, fidgets and fries. I'm, I'm trying there. So I'm, I'm learning it and videos. I'm trying, but I'm there. Um, I have a Patreon, which is also physics and fidgets and fries and i have a sub stack which is also fidgets and fries so um i'm there i'm in those spaces i will say that um in the upcoming year i'm trying to do some like major shift and kind of like shift the patreon and the 
Substack into one space that's under my in my own site in my own website so so a lot of things i've been learning this past year is i want to own more of what i do want to share what i put out and not be at the mercy of these sites <laughs> all these different like platforms and things like that so um that's a goal but for now i'm there all those places so <laughs> yeah that's awesome. We'll have all of that in the show notes and all the links so that you have easy thank access you. to this information. And thank you so much for coming on and just sharing some thank of your you. stories. Really wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And to everyone listening to the Divergent Conversations podcast, new episodes are out every single Friday on all major platforms and YouTube. And we will see you next week. Bye. And now, pause for a word from our sponsors. From new patients faced with an empty lobby and no idea where to find their therapist, to clinicians with a session running overtime and the doorbell ringing, some of the most anxiety-ridden moments of a therapy appointment happen before a session even starts. This episode's sponsor, The Receptionist for iPad, helps you tackle some of that pre-appointment apprehension and anxiety. The Receptionist for iPad is an easy-to-use digital client check-in system that helps your visitors check in securely to their appointments and notify their practitioners of their arrival via SMS, email, or your preferred channel. No more confusion, endless lobby checking, or having clients sign in on paper logbooks. It can even help you upgrade and update your demographic information for your clients as well and even validate parking. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash private practice. Make sure to start your trial with that link and you'll also get your first month free if you decide to sign up.